Hey, my name is Adam. I'm the uh, community life pastor here, and I'm just thrilled that all of you chose to swim to church today. And uh, you know, we everyone's here because they chose to be here, and we get to worship together. We get to open scripture, and I'm confident and fully believing that when we do these things, God meets us, and it's impactful. Um, so welcome. We are in a, a unique season and a unique uh, series. This teaching series is uh, titled The Story, and um, we have felt led to look at the story that God tells through his word. Um, this, this book, this Bible that, that shapes us, that gives us our identity, that, that leads us, um, it, it says in Hebrews 4 that this book is, is actually active and alive and it, it lives. And, and I've read it uh, cover to cover a handful of times. I've studied it in school. And yet, when I open it, still, it speaks to me and it's fresh. And so we have felt led as a, as a community to, to look at this story that God has told. And, and I, I really like the name of this series um, in that I really like stories. If you've hung out with me, you'll know that I, I like to tell stories. I like to listen to stories. And it's, it's just a great way to communicate. It's, it's a language of our soul. Um, we learn lessons through stories. Uh, we get to know each other through stories. We tear down walls through, um, through telling stories. In fact, this, this week I was um, with Tim and uh, some of his old friends from his college and early ministry days. And, and what do you do when you get together with old friends? You share stories, right? The glory days, um, some of them were embarrassing stories. So I, I came home with some really good information. I'm excited about that. But, but we share stories because that's, that's how we share life. And, and God has given us his story, the story that's captured in the words of this book. And today, as, as we think about this season that God has called us into, we also feel called into a season of rest, a season of refreshing and renewal through God's story. But here's the challenge. Rest isn't very natural for us. In our context, in our moment, rest is actually a little bit challenging. Do you guys feel that? Uh, rest and, and stepping away from busyness and stepping away from work and the chaos of life, it's, it, it takes a little bit of work from us. And yet, when we look at the story of God, he's got a plan. He's given us a, a, a way and a plan of how we can rest and rest in him in a way that's refreshing and renewing. So this morning, um, we're going to look at how God models this, what he says about it, how Jesus embodies it. And, and I, I want to invite you to even think about your time, how you order your days, your weeks, your months, the seasons of your life, and, and how rest is giving you moments to be more present with God. So before we, we dive in, uh, I'm going to pray for us. Uh, Father, is... Um, is we feel like we're responding to you leading us into rest and into your story further, um, I recognize that, that rest is a little bit challenging, um, that, that finding seasons and time that we set aside just to be present with you is, is a stretch for us and it's, it's a reach. And I, and I know that many of us are going to walk out of the doors of this place contemplating this. And so I, I pray that we would respond with courage as we listen to your word today. Um, I pray that you open our ears, our minds, and our hearts to listen to what your spirit has for us. And Father, we thank you. We love you in your name. Amen. So a handful of years ago, um, Dana and I, my wife and I, had the perfect vacation. In fact, we call it the vacation. We've we referenced it before. And it was just this amazing, amazing time. Like everything lined up, and it, it just was perfect. 
I happened to get a, a bonus from the, the place that I was working like a week before we were going to go. I didn't even know that was going to happen. And, and we were living in Albuquerque at the time, so we headed out on our two-week vacation and went through Phoenix and dropped off my kids at uh, my parents' house. And I don't see a correlation that this is like the best vacation and my kids were... That's, that's not the case. Um, but we drop off the kids and we, we go to San Diego and we just have the time of our lives. So much laughter. We're sharing meals together at fun restaurants. I bought a guitar, which was awesome. We, without our kids, went to Disneyland. It was the magical kingdom. It was the best vacation. And, and I, I remember driving home and just feeling so full, my heart feeling full, feeling refreshed, feeling focused and so excited. And it was such a gift, and it's also kind of rare. I love moments like that, where I get to step out of my life, and, and in that instance, I physically stepped out of my life. I went to a different state and, and was able to walk away from everything I was in charge of and responsible for and, and just be present with my family, and it was such a gift. But I recognize that we don't get to do that all the time. We don't get to go to Disneyland without our kids all the time. We don't, we don't get to check out of our lives. So how... How do we find renewal and refreshment in our day-to-day, in our week-to-week, in our month-to-month lives? This, this, uh, this book, this story that, that um, God has given us gives us God's plan for rest. Do you know he has a plan for this in his creation, in his design? And in his plan for rest, it's a deeper type of rest. It's a type of rest that, that doesn't require a vacation. It, it can be present with us in our day-to-day lives, and it's, it's actually a way of living. And the name that he gives for this rest is Sabbath. Now, Sabbath is uh, a word that maybe you've heard before or maybe you haven't heard before, um, and you might have a different connotation for it, but, but Sabbath, um, by defined in Scripture, is a 24-hour period where, where the people of God set aside the responsibilities and their work to be present with him, to, uh, to think about him, to pray to him, to be present with their family, and to do things that restores life and not take life away. And so where does this come from? Well, firstly, God himself models it for us. We're going to look at a uh, scripture in Genesis chapter 2. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there with me. If not, we have Bibles on the shelves on the side. Hoping it will be on the screen behind me. Um, But we're going to start in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. And what's happened up to this point is the triune God has created our known universe. No biggie, right? Everything that we know, can think of, he, he created it. And the narrative goes that, that day one through day six, he's creating um, uh, land and separating land and water and the sun and the moon and, and is putting the earth into motion and there's vegetation, there's animals and there's people and he's created it all. And then in two, verse one, it says this, thus the heavens and the earth were complete in all their vast array. So he's done. Creation is in motion and it's complete. Now look what he does. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he was, had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God works for six days to bring forth creation and then he models for his creation a sense of being and rest. He ceases to work. Now when we read this, we understand that God is modeling this for us. God is all-powerful, inexhaustible power, 
And, and so him doing this is demonstrating for his creation, modeling for his creation, his plan for them to be human, his plan for them to rest. So he models it here. And then if we go a little bit further into the story, um, you can turn there with me to Exodus 31. Um, we're going to start in, in verse 12. This is where God now is, is commanding his people to engage in this way of rest. Um, the, the scene here, it's, it, this is uh, Moses on Mount Sinai where, where he is given the, the law and the Ten Commandments and, and um, how God's people, the Israelites, are going to be led and this is their identity and this is the, the mechanism, this law is the mechanism for which they make connections with God and, and, and here Sabbath is a massive part of this. Starting in verse 12, it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe the Sabbath. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath, because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it will be put to death, and those who do work on that must be cut off from their people. For six days work will be done, but the seventh day a Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and Israelites forever. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him two tablets of the covenant of law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. I think this matters to God. I think how we order our days, our weeks, and our months matter to God. He gives them this gift of rest called Sabbath. And it's a time that they set aside what they do and they just exist as God's people. Now in this, this context that we're reading this, it's, it's, it's important to realize where these people, Israel, had just come from. Um, they had spent the, uh, the previous 400 years in, in Egypt um, and much of that time, they were actually slaves in Egypt. Um, they were there to, to build and to serve the Pharaoh and to serve his kingdom. And, and, and as slaves, their, their, um, their understanding of themselves is that their sole purpose was to produce. There would have been generations and generations of people who did nothing but produce for the Pharaoh. Work and produce, work and produce, work and produce. And when I think about them, when I think about that story... And I pull that into my life and into the, the, the culture that we live in, I can see some similarities. That we're in a culture that invites us to constantly produce, to work, to produce. And so this is what they know and this is who they are. And one of the first things God does is reinstitute the Sabbath as a covenant between he and them. And he says it's holy to him and it's holy to us. This time that, that we set aside production and work for the purposes of refreshing and renewal with him. This is the Sabbath that they're invited into, that they realize they're not just called for doing, they're called to, to, to being, to being his creation, to uh, engaging with, with him. This 24-hour period of time where they set aside productivity and work of any kind, and they remember and they celebrate. So this is God's people called the Israelites. Where does Jesus how does he embody this? So we're going to flip over to the New Testament, to uh, Matthew chapter 12. 
and um, Jesus is having an interaction with uh, some people called some Pharisees, and they are uh, religious leaders, very uh, legalistic to the letter of the law, and this is the interaction that they have, starting in verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some of the heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful to do on the Sabbath. So some reference here. Um, in, in the original tradition of Sabbath, people would prepare food the evening before and not work, not cook, not clean, do nothing on the Sabbath. And so the, the fact that these disciples are walking through this grain field and picking the heads off the grain, that, uh, it's an original version of a granola bar, um, the Pharisees see this, and, and they call foul. Hey, wh- what are your disciples doing? How are you leading them to break the law, to break covenant of the Sabbath? And Jesus answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests of Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the, the Sabbath, and yet are they innocent? I tell you, that someone greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not condemn the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus embodies the Sabbath. Jesus is taking this this ritualistic version of Sabbath that is about um, checking boxes and about doing some things and not doing some things and, and... He's elevating it to a relationship. He is Lord of the Sabbath. And so this interaction continues with the Pharisees, and it says, going on from there, uh, from that place, he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Now this is kind of a fascinating um, interaction in my mind. They're asking, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Well, they, they must know he has the power to heal on the Sabbath. And, and the fact that they would question him in this is, is kind of bizarre. And it also gives a definition of how they think of Sabbath. Why wouldn't healing be for the Sabbath? Why wouldn't restoration be for the Sabbath? Jesus responds with one of those famous mic drop kind of uh, moments that, that Jesus has from time to time. And it says, he said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Jesus is going back to the heart of this Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. So, Jesus brings life as the Lord of the Sabbath. He brings restoration. He brings healing. He brings wholeness, completing what God intended. N.T. Wright says, um, Jesus is walking, a walking, living, breathing temple. He is also the walking, celebrating, victorious Sabbath. The walking, celebrating, victorious Sabbath. This is who Jesus is. So now let's, Let's pull this conversation, this story that that is being told to us about God's plan for rest and renewal, 
And let's pull this in, into our lives. How do we experience this? What does it look like for this reality that God has instituted to be reflected in how we live our lives? How our schedules look? How we choose to invest and spend our time? This invitation that God has. Sabbath, first and foremost, is just that, an invitation. Think of this. The, the God who created everything that we could possibly know, the God of the universe desires our attention. And that, that's almost unfathomable, right? I, I just can't even hardly wrap my mind around that. Um, Dana and I were, were gifted some tickets to a football game a couple weeks ago, and it was the Cardinals and Seahawks game. And we went in our full Cardinal gear, because we're a Cardinals fan, right? Yes. And uh, we were one of very few Cardinal fans there, and we, we didn't hold back. We just cheered and got dirty looks the whole game. It was awesome. But before the game, I walked down to the edge of, of the, uh, the stands, kind of getting as close to the field as I could get, and I was there with like a whole bunch of little boys, <laughs> all screaming at players, trying to get their attention. Russell Wilson, you know, trying to get an autograph or something. And I was undignified and was pretty much doing the same thing for Larry Fitzgerald. And I've, I've followed Larry Fitzgerald throughout his career. He's played in Arizona the whole time. He's definitely the most holy NFL player. But I, I was thinking about this. Here's this guy, and, and I would love to meet him. I'm trying to get him to look at me unashamedly. And He's, he's had hundreds of thousands of people watch him in his career. He's made tens of millions, maybe even over $100 million. He's made a lot of money. And, and he's done good things. He seems to be a nice guy. But, but at the end of the day, do you know what he does? He runs and catches a football. That's it. That's what he does. He does it really well, but that's it. That's what he does. He runs and he catches a football. He, he's a guy. He's a man. He's a person just like you and I. And, and, and yet the idea of... of of, of getting his attention would be meaningful. And, and, and wait, like the God of the universe desires for us to set our mind on him, to, to look away from the busyness and the things that we manage and be present with him. That's his standing invitation to you. That's his invitation for you to re rework your schedule and to say, ah, I, I think that might be a priority to hang out with the creator of the universe, to be present with the creator of the universe. This, this Sabbath is an invitation. It's restoring what God first instituted in creation, and it's a preview of heaven. When we Sabbath with God, we're practicing heaven. We're aware of his presence, and we're letting aside the things that, that hold us down and hold us back. Sabbath is an invitation. Sabbath is embracing our limits and resting. Sabbath is embracing our limits and resting. I don't know if you know this, you have limits. It, it took me a little while to learn this for myself. I, I learned this one mostly the hard way. Um, you have limits. You have limitations mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. You can be depleted. You are designed and wired to rest and to Sabbath. It's how you were created. It's been that way since creation. Sabbath is being aware of my limitations, not running from them, not denying them, not trying to uh, supersede them with caffeine, but embracing them and resting, stepping into rest and letting go. Um, P. 
Pete Scazzaro wrote an incredible book, Emotional Healthy Spirituality. Um, if, if this topic we're talking about is, is pulling on your heart, I would highly recommend reading this book. But here's a quote from the book about Sabbath. On the Sabbath, we embrace our limits. We let go of the illusion that we are indispensable to the running of the world. We recognize that we will never finish all our goals and projects, and that God is on the throne, managing quite well in ruling the universe without our help. Sabbath is an invitation for me to let go, to set aside what I've been called to steward and to manage, and let God be God, and for me just to be in his presence. This is what he's inviting us into, this relationship. Now, I have to say, when we talk about embracing limits, um, there, there's a, an asterisk or a warning with this. That idea is radically countercultural. It's radically countercultural to the world that we, that we live in. Our culture doesn't invite us to embrace limits, to set aside, and to rest. In fact, if we don't embrace our limits and we don't cease to work, our culture will love us for it, will champion us for it, will give us book deals, will listen to our podcasts, will be enamored at our success. This is radically countercultural. To say, I am more productive when I work six days and then I spend the seventh fully focused on my creator than if I just continually work and work and work. This Sabbath is embracing my limitations and resting. And Sabbath is also choosing the, the better thing. When you think of your, your time and your schedule and your days and, and how you choose to invest those and, and when you have space, choosing to be present with God is, is the better thing. Choosing to set aside productivity and work and being present with him is the better thing. There's an a interaction that, that Jesus has. Um, you can turn there with me. It's in Luke chapter 10, and it's, it's a somewhat familiar story. Uh, I, I, I love this story because I relate so much with it, but it, it says this, starting in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work myself? Tell her to help me. Now, I get it. I understand Martha's point of view here. Um, oftentimes, I, I find myself being a Martha, a, a male version of a Martha. <laughs> the work that she's doing is good, Right? It, 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 she's cooking and she's preparing the home and she's making sure that these guests and these people who Jesus is ministering to are being taken care of. This is important work. She's not off playing video games. She's, she's doing good work and she's frustrated because her sister has chosen just to sit at the feet of Jesus and not help her in the good work. And so she goes to Jesus. Jesus, tell my sister to get up and help me. And here's his response. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha, many, many things are needed, 
There's lots of work to be done, but, but, but really there's this one thing. Mary's choosing to be present, to be with me. There's going to be time for this work to be done, and absolutely Jesus sends us to work, and, and we're called to, to our, our vocations, and we're called to our families, and we're called to very important good things. But we're also called to have times to set that aside and be present, fully present with the God of the universe. Sabbath is us choosing the better thing with our time and how we invest it. This is a practice um, that I've, I've been trying to live out for probably four or five years. Um, some seasons I've done well, some seasons not so much. Um, I, it, it's pretty much a discipline for me that produces a really important fruit. And so to get really practical, this is what Sabbath looks like for me. Um, my day off is Friday, um, and it's, it's a time where I wake up and really have to work hard at mentally shifting gears from work mode to Sabbath mode. I, I've noticed that it just doesn't happen automatically because I'm on a day off. Like I, I have to discipline myself to, to set aside the things that I'm carrying, weights and responsibilities, um, things that I want to see, ambitions, desires, to, to, to literally set that aside and be present with God. It's a day that I, I hope at the end of the day I've celebrated hope I've laughed with my, my wife and my, my friends and my kids. Um, I hope we played. I, I hope at some point I got outside um, and, and have communicated with God and expressed. And, and not a prayer of, God, I want to see these things happen, or, or can you do this? Or, but a prayer like a, a father and a son communicating. And, and, and when I've done this well in those seasons, there's richness and refreshing that's coming from that Sabbath. That I'm getting a sense of God's love for me. That, that it's it's going beyond my mind into my heart, and, I, and I've got a sense of his presence. And in the seasons where I've, I've not been well and not been um, disciplined at Sabbathing, I, f- I feel drained. I feel emotionally and spiritually behind and drained and trying to catch up. This is how God is, is leading me, this, this rest and to contemplate and to delight. Um, I am, I feel like God is telling me that this is really important this year. We've, we've shared our story, uh, Dana and I, and we, we've just had a pretty crazy couple of years. Um, and, and yet I, I feel like God has a, a story he wants to tell to me and through me. I don't want to be so busy I miss it. I don't want to be so busy that, that, that the life he wants to speak into me, the, the affirmation, the love, the vision that he wants to speak into me, that, that I'm too busy with my, my worldly things that, that in the grand scheme of things might not even matter that much to stop and to listen to him. I wonder what he wants to tell you. I wonder this year how he wants to affirm his love for you in a way that you might not even be able to think about. I wonder what his vision and his plan and his dream is for you. What, what story does he want to tell through you and in you this year? And will you be willing to stop long enough to listen? To do the hard work of carving the time out of the week, it's not easy. You've got to fight for it. To stop and to listen. I realize we're, we're all living different vocations, different family circumstances, and, and it's, it's not cookie-cutter and so easy that we're all just going to take Friday and that's going to be our day. 
But I challenge you to look at your schedule and your time and when can I take off the weight of the world and step fully into the presence of God in Sabbath. I think he'll meet you there. I think God's spirit will meet you there in ways that are powerful and meaningful. Our, our team's gonna make their way back up and uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna continue in worship. Um, communion set before us. Um, we come and, and we worship the, the Lord of the Sabbath who brings restoration and wholeness and renewal. And my hope and my desire for you as you you leave this place is you think about this question, where where am I disciplining my time to be fully present with God and rest in his presence? To celebrate him, to set aside doing for the sake of being. I I think God's gonna do something really unique and powerful at Mosaic this year. And don't miss it. Don't, don't miss it. Don't busy yourself with something that's not the better thing. Press in. Let me pray for us. Father, I know when we walk out of these, uh, these doors, back into uh, the business of life, um, the constant bombarding of information that we get through technology, um, that it's likely we're going we're gonna to hit some hurdles. Uh, it's likely we might even hit fear of slowing down and, and ceasing. Um, so I, I pray for every heart in this room for courage. For courage and desire to be fully present with you. To do what it takes. To go through the work of discipline. Carving out time to be with you and to rest. And thank you. Thank you for rest. Thank you that you, you want to be with us. You desire our attention. You desire our words and our thoughts. We love you, Lord, and we worship you in your name. Amen.